Lopez. I need my glasses. My vision is worse than normal today. I guess I'm getting, getting very old. Um, Miss Claire Lopez, St. Lopez of America, the patron saint of patience, as I am late. I'll be there in 10 minutes. I'll be there in 20 minutes. Claire, I'll be there in 30 minutes, I promise. And uh, the patience of a saint and uh, the fact that I am always saying that with you, perhaps I should see the writing on the wall. That <laughs> Not to worry. Not to worry. And my dearly departed mother would uh, just be thrilled to hear that. Okay, good. Yes. Yeah, so, um, but Miss Lopez, for all future listeners, today is Thursday, January. Ah, today is January 20. I, I saw on uh, on CNN, I was in the, in the gym and on the TV. They're boasting about how Biden gave a one-hour and 52-minute press conference. And uh, that's not a very good bragging right if you're simply now going on time. But for all of the new listeners, Ms. Lopez, who's been on here several times, tons of times, tens of times before, please introduce yourself, tell them a little bit about yourself, and then we'll jump into the episode. Sure. So uh, Claire Lopez, founder and president of Lopez Liberty, LLC. Uh, which uh, is an organization comprised of myself so far, um, dedicated to alerting and educating um, the American public about the national security threats facing us, either abroad, international, like China, North Korea, Iran, Russia, um, but also domestic, uh, meaning the Islamic movement, the Muslim Brotherhood and its front groups, and of course, the communist Marxists, which are affiliated with them. Um, I write and publish and speak, uh, do a lot of broadcasts as well on a number of different platforms. I'm, uh, I'm in a, I'm in a text group with some of the military guys I've had on here from Delta force to the Marines. And, uh, I screenshotted, I saw your tweet the other day about that. Uh, let's jump into this, the, uh, the hostage situation in, um, was it Texas? Oh, and, uh, the you, synagogue in Texas. Uh huh. How you said, you know, Lee's going to find out real quick if there's 72 virgins or not. And, uh, everyone was laughing their asses off. So I wanted to tell you that, but, um, oh, thank what, you. <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? Because it did Joe Kent tweeted, you know, instead of, you know, looking at the admirable efforts of FBI HRT that, you know, no one got, no one was injured aside from the terrorist himself. And but the FBI came out and wants to make it very clear that this wasn't an anti-Semitic act, despite the fact that he's from England, but he has a, uh, a Middle Eastern name and is of Islamic faith. What What are your thoughts on that about the whole everything around it? What could have been what 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 objectively was a good ending? Um, the FBI can't help but turn it into a politically correct uh, shit show. Well, I'll give you a little preview um, of an article that I just uh, submitted to Front Page Magazine a couple of days ago. I'm waiting for a publication. And it's about this uh, incident and about this individual. Uh, Akram is his name. Uh, I don't know his full name. Let's see. Uh, Malik. Uh, what's his whole name? Here we go. Uh, Malik Faisal. Malik Faisal Akram. Um, and and uh, everything that unfolded down there. So first things first, absolutely happy and thrilled uh, that all four uh, people that he held hostage uh, inside that synagogue, uh, the Beth Israel uh, Synagogue in Colleyville, Texas, which is not very far from Dallas and Fort Worth, just thrilled that all four of them, including the rabbi of the synagogue, got out safely and unhurt. So that's the first thing to be said. Um, the second thing to be said is is that, well, 
this guy attacked a synagogue on Shabbat during Shabbat services. Hello. Um, but let's let's go back to a bit about who he was. Um, Akram uh, was a British citizen, uh, which, by the way, is how he got into the United States. Uh, because our closest friends and allies are uh, part of, of a Customs and Border Patrol, Customs and Border Protection, CBP program, um, that allows citizens of countries like Britain uh, to apply for entry to the United States on a trip uh, online uh, as, uh, a, through uh, this, this visa waiver program. So he did not even need a visa to come into the United States as a British citizen. He goes online, he, he types in his info. Uh, CBP is supposed to do a background check, I guess of the country they're coming from, other places, other databases. I don't know how thorough it was, obviously not very in this case, but that's how he came in. He didn't need a visa. He didn't have to get checked um, you know, by uh, TSA or, uh, you know, some other suggestions I've seen online. This is a CBP, Customs and Border Protection program online, and uh, a citizen of one of these countries that's part of the visa waiver program can just go online and uh, and get their, their entry approved ahead of time, and that's how he got here. So uh, Akram arrives end of December, late December 2021, last year, uh, apparently arriving at JFK Airport in New York. He gave his place of destination as a hotel in Queens. He may have stayed there a night, not sure. Uh, but then, of course, once he's in the United States, he's free to travel wherever he wants, um, very likely traveling on his British passport, um, even though he is of Pakistani descent. That's where he comes from. He comes from Pakistan originally. And other members of his family, apparently also, who are uh, still living in Britain. So at some point, Akram leaves New York City and, and flies down to Dallas-Fort Worth. And uh, somehow he finds a um, homeless shelter uh, not very far from the Beth Israel Synagogue. And uh, he's in there for, I don't know, a few days and a few nights, apparently. Um, of course, they've been interviewed at that, at that uh, shelter, didn't have much to say about him. He came and went. He was quiet. He didn't raise any particular attention. Um, but obviously, he was attending to last-minute details, like how to buy a gun on the street, which is what he did. He bought a gun on the street. And, and then, of course, the morning of January 15, this past Saturday, a week, uh, almost a week ago. Um, he, uh, he went to the synagogue around 10.30, 10.40 during the morning Shabbat services. Uh, the doors were apparently locked. He knocked on the door and <laughs> the rabbi uh, who is um, named um, Charlie Citron Walker, but affectionately known as Rabbi Charlie. Rabbi Charlie goes to the door and just lets him in. No, no worries. Just lets him in. Uh, interrupting services to do so, by the way. Uh, and then uh, sits down with Akram and he's having tea with him. He made tea for him. 
Wait. And this is in the middle of the morning services, apparently. Wait, wait. okay. At first, I was, <clears throat> I was thinking, you know, going up, growing up, going to Catholic mass all the time. My first thoughts were, you know, well, yeah, of course you'd let. So I just, th- I think of Father Lopez, for instance. Yeah, if someone knocked on the church, you, you let anyone in. They'd be good father. Be a little different if it was during a service. But this is just, it was, it was, just I, stops mid service. Someone knocks on my door and I go, Claire. The best hold- I can make out. Okay. He interrupted services, which of course, as the rabbi, he would have been leading those services. Yeah. yeah. Shabbat morning, interrupted them, went to the door, let the guy in, fixed him tea, sat down, and was talking with him. Perhaps some other members of the of the congregation joined uh, in uh, the the tea uh, with 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 the stranger, um, and at some point. Oh, I should add at this uh, at this point that um, because many members of the congregation were um, attending the services remotely, uh, there was a live stream, at least audio. I'm not sure about video, okay. but live stream audio was 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 playing, was going on for the service and continued um, on up for quite some time uh, into uh, what ensued shortly. And what ensued shortly is that. Uh, the tone of uh, the uh, three cups of tea um, turned uh, terrifying as Akram apparently pulled out a gun uh, from his backpack. At this point, uh, at least, I guess, four people, the rabbi and three others were hostages. Um, Perhaps others in the synagogue fled. I'm not quite sure how that happened, but I I guess the rest got out. They, They fled. But four were kept as hostages, the rabbi and three others. And thus ensued something like a 10 and a half plus hour standoff. Um, Law enforcement arrived. Um, The local police then uh, contacted the FBI. Uh, SWAT team, uh, FBI from Quantico, Virginia, near where I live. HRT, um, yeah, that's like the... Hopped on a plane, flew down. And as I said, because the standoff went on so, so long, they arrived while it was, you know, still ongoing. Um, the synagogue is now surrounded by, you know, SWAT vehicles and, um, you know, armed troops and, and and what have you. Everybody who could get a piece of it obviously wanted to be there, so they were. They, I don't know if they get a little patch or something for doing that, but they did. And um, the uh, the 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 effort first was to keep the guy talking, to keep Akram talking. During which time, uh, he made it known uh, that he was demanding the release of Afia Siddiqui. Afia Siddiqui, um, likewise Pakistani woman, uh, who uh, back in Afghanistan in two thousand um, eight. I'm looking at my notes here just to be sure about the date. Um, I believe she um, she was there. She uh, uh, like a Guantanamo prisoner or? No, 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 not at all. Um, as a matter of fact, I, I'm just looking through my, my notes to refresh my, my mind here. Um, she actually was um, an educated neuroscientist. She obtained her undergrad degree at MIT, Massachusetts Institute of Technology in Boston, yeah, Massachusetts, yeah. and then went on um, 
to uh, study at Brandeis University, or maybe I have that backwards. Brandeis might have been first and MIT second. In any case, uh, educated uh, for her neuroscience uh, specialty here in the United States. But uh, then uh, after her education, apparently uh, post 9-11 went back to Pakistan. And um, at some point um, she had been detained over there by uh, U.S. Uh, forces, U.S. personnel. And it was while uh, the questioning was going on with her uh, that she attempted to grab, um, she did grab uh, a weapon, pretty poor security, but okay. She grabbed a weapon and tried to fire it at the U.S. personnel. Happily, luckily, she did not hurt or kill anyone. I guess she just didn't do very well with the weapon, luckily for our guys. And um, uh, then, of course, she was taken into custody. She was tried um, on terrorism charges in a Manhattan, New York, a trial courtroom in 2010, found guilty, uh, sentenced to 86 years in federal prison. That federal prison uh, is located where she's serving her sentence near the synagogue, near the, the Dallas-Fort Worth area. So Akram, in, in his you know back and forth with the hostage negotiators, um, is demanding her release from prison. Her release from that prison has been a cause celebre for a long time, in particular involving um, U.S. Um, Muslim Brotherhood front groups like CARE, Council American Islamic Relations, which of course is the U.S. branch of Hamas. Mm -hmm. And they have led things like uh, marches and protests and demonstrations um, to, um, to press for her release. Well, this was Akram's demand. Um, but in the article I'm telling you about that's, you know, with Front Page Magazine now waiting for publication, um, I talk about the fact uh, that I don't think Akram ever actually expected uh, U.S. authorities to release Siddiqui from prison. That's just not going to happen, and he must have known it. Yeah. Uh, but it did give publicity to mm -hmm. the effort, gave you know a national media stage for all of all of this to go on uh, over the air for millions of people watching. Uh, that was part of the objective. But the other part of the objective, I think, um, has more to do with Akram himself and, 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 and where he comes from, what he believes, right? So um, he's, of course, a devout, uh, faithful, practicing, Sharia-compliant Muslim. And um, during the um, discussions, again, with the hostage negotiators, he says at one time, I've got these prisoners. I am going to die. And he apparently also was in telephone contact with one of his brothers who still lives in Britain and told that brother, only way I'm coming home is in a body bag. Which says to me that he knew perfectly well how things would end and that that was his objective. Yeah. He wanted to die a shahid. Yeah, um, a shahid is uh, promised um, under Islamic doctrine. Instant. Um, to go immediately up to paradise, uh, gets to skip the torments of the grave, which are horrifically described to Muslim children from the age of two. Um, 
And he gets to uh, meet up with his 72 virgins. That's, well, it's promised, right? And he also gets to broker in, and it, into paradise, an additional 70 members of his close family. And they too get to skip the torments of the grave. If, so, if I can shamelessly what? plug my most recent episode with Howard Bloom, Howard, the most Jewish guy in the world, his book, The Muhammad Code, we covered that in December. Okay. Everything the, he goes in and explains all of it, and very much so the if you, the, the middle ground, the torture is you are put on a on a spick over a fire until you, all your skin burns off, and then once all the nerves are gone, God puts on well, a that's new layer if you of go, skin. That's if you go to hell, but but the torments of the grave are while you're waiting, ah. buried, dead, for the end times and the day of judgment. And the torments of the grave have to do with what happens to you in the earth, in, in the grave. Uh, and you're tossing and you're turning and the, the worms are eating you and you're, you're screaming and you're hollering and nobody hears you. That's torments of the grave. Regardless, a lot of shit instead of just going straight to heaven. Sorry to interrupt. Keep going. Yeah, yeah. So um, what I was going to finish that part uh, with was that in his mind, a Krom's mind, and and any other, you know, devout, faithful, true practicing Muslim, um, what better gift could you possibly give to your child, your spouse, your parents, than not only getting to skip the torments of the grave, but automatic passage into eternity in paradise with the one true God creator of of the earth, of the universe. This is what they believe. So this is what Akram was talking about, um, you know, to the uh, the hostage negotiators, um, why he said that to his brother. Uh, and, and of course, you know, the other part of that is that as a jihadi, um, he is uh, absolutely fulfilling um, the highest levels of, 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 of uh, fidelity to Islamic doctrine by taking Jewish hostages, which according to uh, Islamic doctrine, um, a jihadi may either hold hostages, um, ransom them, or kill them. Or he could just let them go. Those are the choices, and they're all in the hands of the jihadi who takes the hostages. That's doctrine. That's that, they, There's no getting around that. That's, that's what he was doing. Um, so uh, yeah, let me let me let me leave it there. I'll get to the other part of the article, which is the Pakistani connection that I am uh, thinking about. Um, but but that's that's a crom. That's where he comes from. That's what this was all about. And yes, praise um, and thanks and gratitude to the law enforcement at FBI um, SWAT team that uh, were able to to keep the guy talking long enough that the hostages themselves were able to free themselves. The, the SWAT team didn't free them. They oh. freed themselves. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. His, distra- his, his attention was distracted for a bit. Akram's. I mean, this is a long standoff. This is at the very end of 10 plus hours. Tension was distracted. And right at that point, the hostages, the four of them with the rabbi, uh, sort of whispered to themselves, okay, this is our chance. And the rabbi picks up a chair heaves it at Akram, and the four of them make a dash for the nearby door, a side entrance to the synagogue, and they go rushing out. And you can see in the video that's been shown on media, 
that Akram came to the door right after them, and you can see the gun in his hand. And he comes just to the doorway and sees all the vehicles and the SWAT team and the the troops out there in front, and he just goes right back inside and shuts the door. At this point, the, the SWAT team knows that he's alone, that all hostages are out and safe, and that's when they storm the building. You can hear a flashbang going off, and then gunfire, and that's the end of him. Off he goes for his virgins, or grapes, as the case may be, according to translation. Grapes? Yeah, yeah. Um, an alternative translation to uh, the 72 virgins, or the Yoris, with the black eyes, um, is that, in fact, the word was mistranslated, and it really ought to have been grapes. Man, that's uh, Who knows? That's, you know? that's something you might want to flesh Man, if you're on a nuclear submarine with the button to fire an ICBM and you're not sure if it says fire or, you know, wait. Well, you know, Arabic is a very uh, rich and a complex language, and there can be various meanings for the same word. Yeah. Right? And so there might have been a slight um, misunderstanding there, but we don't know. Akram knows now, but but we don't. I mean, mean, I guess... Side note, I guess it could kind of make sense. I mean, if it's written in a time of, you know, kind of uh, primitive times and you're in the desert, I mean, 72 grapes might be like, you know, here's a glass of water kind of it might be that might be. I mean, I don't know. It's, I mean, none of it's justified. It's but so. OK, yeah, that's insane. That's insane. Um, now, to kind of pivot from there in a complete 180, unless you want to keep going down this topic is. Um, well, I was going to. Oh, yeah, gonna yeah. The Pakistan connection. The second yeah, yeah. Part of okay. my my thinking in the article and that has to do with pakistan okay uh so just real quickly no no no, no. take your time i'm i'm your, whatever, your, I'm whatever. Um, nope i'm whatever um what i've noticed is that over the last couple of decades uh or at least more than more than one decade um is the involvement of the pakistani regime uh and i could begin with the 2008 attacks in mumbai india horrific directed by Pakistani ISI, the Pakistani Intelligence Service. One year later, 2009, we had a Jordanian doctor suicide bomber that killed about seven people, I think, injured another six uh, at the CIA's forward operating base Chapman in Khost, Afghanistan, ISI operation. Nothing was ever done about that. No retribution, no, no accountability whatsoever forward to 2015, in December of 2015, in San Bernardino, California, you had the, high, uh, the, the husband-wife team, uh, Syed Farouk and Tashfeen, I'm sorry, yes, uh, Syed Farouk and Tashfeen Malik, husband-wife team, uh, both of them Pakistani, uh, he born in the United States, though, U.S. citizen, she uh, born and raised and something like seven years in school, in university and other, other schools in the Punjab in Pakistan, prime recruiting ground for not just the ISI, but the Deobandi jihadi groups that it sponsors, backs, arms, funds, trains to include uh, Lashkari Jangvi, Lashkari Taiba. That's where she came from. Um, and then uh, one year later, in 2016, you had Omar Mateen, down at the uh, Pulse Pulse nightclub in Orlando, Florida, uh, killing uh, many dozens. In that case, it was horrible. Dozens of people and injuring dozens more. And uh, the imam at his Fort Pierce, Florida 
mosque was, you guessed it, Pakistani. Um, his father, Omar Mateen's father, or they, the family, Afghan, uh, but very much uh, uh, supporters of the Taliban, uh, which of course was created, was, was established by uh, Pakistani ISI. So you've got all these different Pakistani involvements with these various terror events and attacks. And I'll add one more, which was not a, uh, a kinetic attack per se. It was the cyber uh, caper of the Awan brothers, if you might recall, yeah, around 2018, I think. Um, and, and these were Pakistani brothers who got themselves hired as cyber IT experts by a number of uh, U.S. members of Congress. And uh, they were all given access to highly classified information without background checks. And oh, by the way, um, the one one brother that, that I guess did the most work um, traveled back to Pakistan for several months out of the year and was allowed to work remotely on Capitol Hill congressional databases and, 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 and uh, material, classified material from Pakistan. Hello. Is this incompetence so, or is this malicious competence? Well, I mean, it's clearly incompetence. Um, I'm not going to characterize it as malicious, but certainly willful blindness. Sure, I was going to say, and then the big, the big one, the big, uh, the big tuna, uh, Bin Laden being found in Abbottabad, not too far from okay, the headquarters right. of uh, the ISI. Sure. Well, it was the headquarters of the Pakistani uh, military uh, uh, academy. Okay. It is is where that was. And yeah, for how long? About a full year. Um, uh, Osama bin Laden and his uh, family, close and other fighters and family, left Iran, uh, where they'd been since 9-11. They, they went to Iran after the battles of Tora Bora, and they were uh, taken care of in Iran by uh, the Iranian uh, Revolutionary Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, the Quds Force, and the Iranian uh, Intelligence Service, the... Um, uh, the the, mili- the, the uh, intelligence service of, of Iran. I can think of it in Farsi. I can't think of it in English. What, what's it? Uh, what's it? That's awesome. And uh, they were there from late 2001 until about mid-2010. That's when they went to Abbottabad. And about one year later, this is May of 2011, is when our special forces operators... Um, uh, found them there at, at that. That was the end of uh, Osama bin Laden. Um, but yeah, harbored, um, sheltered, safe haven by the Pakistanis again. Yeah, and here we are one more time down in Texas uh, with with uh, a lot of Pakistani connections. And and the last thing I'll say about this is that hostage situation at that synagogue uh, in Texas was a complicated operation, actually. Akram didn't do that by himself. There had to be a lot of planning ahead of time, including on-the-ground casing and surveillance of the synagogue, the selection of the synagogue, the understanding. I mean, yes, the services are published online in a calendar at at the synagogue website, but finding all that out, um, the entrances and the exits of the building, how did uh, Akram, uh, you know, uh, arrange his, his trip, 
his, his, his actual flight and trip in the first place. The funding for that. Uh, where was he going to stay in New York City? Where was he going to stay in uh, Colleyville, Texas, where the synagogue's located? Where, how was he going to get the money to buy a gun? How does, how does a Brit who's never been in the United States before know how to buy a gun on the street of America within a day or two? All that was planned out ahead of time. There was a big team working on this before he ever even you know, went through the airport. And that's what they need to be investigating. And yes, the British are assisting with this. Um, we know, for example, that uh, counterterrorism police in Manchester, which is nearby to Lancashire, to Blackburn, Lancashire, where uh, Akram lived and his family still does live. Uh, those counterterrorism police, um, for a short time, arrested two teenagers who are at least uh, alleged to be um, two sons of Akram, uh, kept for questioning a while, and then I gather released. But in any case, um, you know, the British uh, counterterrorism uh, forces are helping with the investigation, but is any of them actually looking at the things I just told you about? I kind of wonder. It's, um, yeah, I was going to say, I mean... It- let's say he lands at JFK and then, you know, goes outside, hijacks a car and drives it into a crowd. That kind of seems a little more like loner. Like, all right, got here, you know, just go wild. But he lands at JFK and goes to a specific place in Texas. It does seem like there's a support team. And it's also, mm-hmm. at the same time, it's like, it's almost like, it's almost like, what do you expect? Like, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to have a, a radical in Pakistan, you know, trying to buy a plane ticket to New York and you go, there's some red flags. Well, no, when when you don't when you don't secure the southern border, well, no, you're just going to go to Mexico and then waltz well, on but in. Remember, he went online I, I, yeah. to the CBP portal online, did everything online, and that's all he ever had to do. He's, he's good to go. That, and that's that's what I was going to get to. That's what is, he did. That's what I was going to get to is or you can go to any of the European countries like Great Britain where you're just allowed to waltz in. And once you're in there, well, then you've kind of gotten rid of all the baggage. And now you're just a guy applying online like any, any well, other but he, he didn't actually get rid of the baggage, even though he and I guess his family okay. were our um, citizens of the UK. OK. Akram actually had a record. He had a criminal record in Britain, had been in a courtroom. Uh, You probably read about this, right? And, um, you know, this was on his record in Britain. But somehow when he went through the CBP portal for that visa waiver program, the supposed checks that one would think would include checks in the databases of the country where you reside, or are a citizen of, you would think they would be checking those, but I, I don't know if they did or not, but they certainly didn't find this out. Okay. So it's not as simple as I was making it, but I, I guess I start to look at this, like clearly this wasn't just a lone wolf, right? There was help. Now, was there Pakistani help or, I mean, I guess maybe I've lost faith, but I start to look at like, are there willing accomplices within the West? There had to be accomplices. Yeah. I am simply not sure about Pakistan. My mind goes to Pakistan because the litany of attacks 
that they, the, that the sure. regime in Pakistan and ISI have perpetrated against Americans and or American allies like India. Uh, I cannot be sure that that's what happened. I cannot confirm that. Sure. But that's, that's where my thinking goes. Sure. Let, let me rephrase that. Pakistan, Iran, Afghan, whatever. It's kind of the, the external, I guess, is what I'm trying to characterize it as. Does he have an external support team? Uh-huh. Or was uh-huh. it America, Britain, someone that let it come through? I guess well, that's how and, I'm looking and, at it. And was there a support team on the ground in Texas? Yeah. Question mark. Yeah. Had to be. Had to be. So then the next question is, who? Yeah, who was in that support team on the ground in Texas? There had to be. It definitely seems, and again, my wild speculation as someone with no experience in any of this, which is why I bring you on so I can sound less stupid. But I mean, it almost seems like, I mean, I know we kind of laid out the whole fundamentalist faith, what is doctrine, but it almost seems like something went wrong. Like if you did all this, all this, wouldn't you kind of make your statement, get on the news and then in full kind of religion of peace, glory, kill everyone? Doesn't that kind of seem he may He may have come to that point had the four hostages with this very brave rabbi leading them not taken advantage of that moment of distraction to flee out the door. Got it. It could have ended much worse than it did. Got we it. don't know what he intended in the end. Uh, or, you know, had the SWAT team had to eventually breach the doors themselves and come rushing in, could the hostages have fared much, much worse than they did? But thanks to them, and apparently they had had some security training, or the rabbi at least had had some kind of security training uh, prior, um, which, which prepared him um, not just to remain calm through all these horrifying or, uh, hours, but to, to, to quickly take advantage of that moment when he could, and he did. So, you know, credit goes to a lot of people, but we don't know if Akram intended in the end to kill the people or not. We don't know or how that might have turned out, but it happily turned out otherwise. Yeah, yeah. Did he get cold feet or just incompetence? Um, now, just completely baseless, wild speculation. But it makes because, you know, you can read all these books, you know, 21 years in hindsight now about 9-11 and how there was like increasing frequency of chatter kind of coming up to like no one knew what was going to happen. But you can read all these reports of like everyone knew something was coming. It was basically like, how can we mitigate it? Right. You can just it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. We don't know if it's going to be us. Right. Um, And obviously it was. Do you think that. Is there something to do with maybe that the that blast wall going up around the White House in the last two weeks? Could that have been something where it's, you know, the the NSA supercomputers are saying something's coming. We don't know where it's going to be, and might as well protect the White House. Is that wild speculation? Um, I don't. I, no, I, I I don't think so. Okay. The, the White House is protected in so many different ways already uh, that that. It, it's not going to be a concrete wall. I mean, it's it's a whole lot of other many layers of protection. What I saw is that the wall is up because they're doing some kind of, I don't know. It was, it was, January uh, 23rd, there's going to be in three days. Pipes or something being laid or some some such thing, uh, you know, digging underground that they have to. Oh, secrecy. Um, 
I, and I, I forget exactly what that is. It might be uh, upgrading of, of the piping system or some such thing. Uh, probably that. I mean, that is right. You can't have everyone seeing where everything's going. Um, but I know in three days there is that, like, stop the mandates march um, in D.C. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's they think it's going to be something reminiscent of January. I have no idea. January 6th. I don't yeah, know. no, I don't think that's what the wall's about. Got it. Um, so... 20 more minutes now to, to kind of spiral off into some, some other topics. What do you think now about kind of uh, project Veritas and those DARPA papers about Fauci, um, Mm -hmm. uh, Israel and the fourth booster. And then was it yesterday or the day before Boris Johnson kind of coming out and just being like, no more mandates in the UK. And it's like, yeah, it's not just uh, it's yeah. not just the UK. It's Sweden. It's uh, it's other places too. Yeah, and I know there was another there was another country. I can't remember what it, it was. Czech Republic. I don't remember which one it is. And then yeah, you might be right about that. The, mm-hmm. There are what what's going on with there? To well, where... the narrative is crumbling in 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 the face of irrefutable facts on the ground. Do, do you want to um, do you want to know something funny? Have... Go ahead. To... So right after uh, Malone, uh, Doctor Robert Malone was on. Um, Joe Rogan and he was talking about mass formation psychosis uh-huh. and it kind of became trending which yeah. uh, shameless plug for me episode 653 that's how I got on Matthias Desmond but they go on and they actually if you go in type in uh, mass formation psychosis on Google it was trending uh, all these images because it was kind of new and it was a flash thing Google had something that no one had ever seen before and they put it right under the, the search results was uh, this is a new topic Please wait, or you know, you may have to wait until there are reliable sources. At a Ministry of Truth, we got to bring in the we got to bring in the A team. It's Saturday night. That actually, and no one had ever seen that before. So I did it, and of course it was there. And now it's gone because now they've got all their Forbes, you know, fact checkers say, you know, Joe Rogan's a fake Nazi. Okay, whatever. Sure. If you type in now, and it might be different because it's already been a day, but Thursday, January twentieth, twenty twenty two. If you type in the narrative is crumbling in Google. It's coming up again. You know, search <laughs> results are changing quickly. Please uh, wait yeah, until yeah. we add reliable yeah. sources. Sorry, well, I'll, uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll mention to you that that as long ago as as back in November 2021, before Thanksgiving, um, I came across a a very interesting uh, video conversation among Matthias Desmet. Um, and and the, the the discussion led by Dr. Uh, Reiner Fulmich, if I'm saying it right, uh-huh. uh, with some other um, European, I think mostly German, of course, Desmet is Belgian, but intellectuals who spoke beautiful English, much better than my German. And uh, the discussion uh, was was really um, uh, back and forth with, between them and and Matthias Desmet talking about. Uh, mass formation. And this is in November, and I'm watching this this video, absolutely fascinated. And um, first, I'd heard of it at that point. And I put together a talk, which I gave to a group in Ohio, where I went uh, to family and friends for the Thanksgiving Day weekend, and spoke to this group there on the weekend, over the weekend, um, and, and told them what mass formation was about. Explain to them what the psychosis was, how Matthias Dismet um, explains, uh, you know, how people uh, get into a position of uh, 
or allow themselves to be to be uh, herded in, in, into a position of uh, what he calls free-floating anxiety, and they can't quite pin it down, but they can't sleep, and they're upset, and they don't know what's wrong. And at that point, uh, a savior appears on the scene, or at least a focus of their uh, for, for for their anxiety, which can help to relieve the anxiety. Uh, cue the music. Dr. Fauci descends from the clouds, or maybe he comes up out of the ocean on a half shell. I don't know, whichever it is. <laughs> and um, he offers uh, the, uh, you know, the, the answers. Yeah. So now, you know, everybody fixates on St. Fauci and uh, his, his solution, which is locked out everything for all time. Wear 16 masks if you can get them behind your ears. And, uh, you know, um, et cetera. It's, and so that that's what I presented in uh, over the Thanksgiving Day weekend to this audience in Ohio. I don't know if they recall now. I, I suspect probably some of them do uh, what I told them. But 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 so it's not anything brand new. This goes back and Matthias Dismet, um, who, who's not I mean, he's not just an intellectual, but. Um, I mean, a psychologist, yeah. he has been um, developing um, his, his thinking about mass formation for a very long time. You know, we're just becoming familiar with it, but Europeans have known about it for a long time. And certainly at least by last year, um, it, he was all over the Internet. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh I just read uh, United States of Fear by Dr. Mark McDonald uh, on Dr. Uh, McCullough's recommendation, and he's going to come on here, I think, Sunday. But his book was written, like, early last year. I just finished it, and uh, yeah, I think one of the beginning cha- – I think the first chapter is, like, Mass Formation. And I was like, oh. oh whose book is this? This is uh, – uh, Mark McDonald. You, Mark the, McDonald. I have to Mar- uh, look for that one. Yeah, okay, the United thanks. States of Fear. Yeah, it, it's a quick – it's a quick, like four-hour read. Um, okay. But it's fantastic, and, and it kind of goes into all of this. It's this free-floating – I mean, the most classic example, right, is you can just go to 1930s Germany, embarrassed by World War One, hyperinflation, uh, no lack of uh, – the fatherland is not strong, the armaments industry are being stripped, mm-hmm. you know, the Krupp industries are, you know, we there's this great iron behemoth of three centuries old, and now they're making spoons. You have all of this, and then you have a guy that comes along and goes – not only do I offer the solution, I also know the enemy. So follow me. We can take yeah. out all of our anger on this Jewish punching bag and then glory awaits. I mean, you do see it, right? I mean, yeah. you can see it and, you know, you know, you're, I'm, I'm five and, you know, the old man's been on a, on a two week business trip and, uh, you know, he comes home and uh, my Legos are on the front door and he steps on it and he loses his temper. Oh. It's not because he's mad at me. It's, there's a bunch going on and all of a sudden uh-huh. punches through it's um yeah. you know it's a shape charge you can just put down an explosive or you can yeah. shape it and you can bore a hole through something yeah and if someone but the good news of course um is is that it's all coming apart now yeah <laughs> and as with many things it, it it took some time to research it all to pry the documents um out of uh, u.s federal government agencies like HHS, Health and Human Services Cabinet Department, uh, NIH, National Institutes of Health, uh, the sub-department within NIH that Dr. Uh, St. Fauci leads, NIAID, NIAID. National Institutes of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, 
uh, took a while to get all that. And also tip of the hat uh, to Judicial Watch um, and, and Tom Fitton mm-hmm. and the crew there who did a fabulous job of getting documents out, including a whole uh, ream of, maybe more than a ream of, of, of uh, emails uh, between and among uh, Anthony Fauci, uh, EcoHealth Alliance's Peter Daszak, um, uh, Francis Collins, now the, um, the retired guitar playing um, director uh, from uh, the NIH, um, et cetera, right? Uh, and, and with those documents now made publicly available, uh, Americans can see not only the deceit and the level of m- malicious deception among these senior public health officials, but also at the same time, and very thankfully, um, seeing what is happening happening with the course of the virus itself. Uh, that, you know, after the Delta wave uh, passed by last year, 2021, now in this year, 2022, arises Omicron, um, and that it is very much uh, less pathogenic, meaning it does not make people anywhere near as sick as the earlier uh, uh, variants. Um, And that even this wave uh, is quickly passing. But also that along the way, people are realizing simply by the sheer numbers, uh, number one, you know, that um, a whole bunch of people that were originally vaccinated, then double vaccinated, then boosted, then double boosted, and uh, triple and in Israel, quadruple boosted, and they're all catching it anyway. So they're realizing, oh, um, the, uh, these jabs that are at least available here in the United States, primarily Moderna and Pfizer, Johnson & Johnson too, but it's a different delivery mechanism, um, they don't prevent infection. They don't prevent illness. They don't prevent hospitalization. They don't prevent transmission. And they don't prevent death. So what are they good for? Oh, well, maybe you won't have quite as serious an illness as you otherwise might have. But then we're learning from doctors like Dr. McCullough, Dr. Malone, uh, Harvey Risch, and others, you know, that constantly, and, and, and WHO has just made this statement, so let me be clear. I'm citing the WHO, the World Health Organization, has just made the statement publicly that Repeated boosters at short monthly, several monthly intervals um, are not going to be helpful. Why? Because there's such a thing as uh, immune system fatigue. In other words, kind of like when you're at the gym, right? And you do rep after rep after rep. And after a while, your poor little muscles, just they can't do anymore. They simply cannot. And you you have to put the dumbbell down. Well, it's like that with your immune system. Uh, If it's prodded and poked uh, too often at these short intervals, it gives up. It it can't do anymore. And that's a dangerous position to be in for your body. Um, And then there, of course, you know, the the data, uh, multitude of data uh, about adverse events uh, from uh, the, the shots themselves, especially to young men and teen, teenage boys, 
um, who are especially vulnerable for uh, pericarditis and myocarditis, these inflammations of the heart, which as I've heard Dr. Malone explain, even if these young people do recover, and, and I think thankfully most do, the heart is forever damaged. It yeah. cannot be fixed. It yeah. does not get repaired. Yeah. Heart For the rest of their brain. lives, they'll have a damaged heart. heart. heart anyway, all of these things are coming together uh, at the same time. And uh, I think it's contributing uh, to, um, I don't know, popular fatigue, put it that way, <laughs> with yeah. the whole business. It is. And then, you know, there's antibody that antibody dependent enhancement enhancement yeah, as well to where mm-hmm. you're constantly fighting this thing. You don't have time to fight other stuff. If you're constantly, uh, I don't know if you're constantly playing whack-a-mole with, with terrorism. Well, it, what ADE does is, is it, um, it actually diminishes the effectiveness, the ability of your own body's immune system fight uh, to fight this off. Well, as well as that's what they think that it's, I mean, obviously, this is not me. This is Malone and McCullough speculating. They think it's going to lead to faster growths of cancer. If you're in remission, yeah, yeah. it may come out because now there's your immune system's maybe not on guard. Um, and then, well, because because the the, the actual um, uh, antibodies uh, within your system that are supposed to be on the alert, let's say uh, for for cancer, um, have been in a way hijacked to another purpose yeah and they're not on the job yeah in very late late terms here for for cancer yeah you're taking you're taking your weekly you're taking your monthly uh uh, cash fund for utilities and internet and power and you're putting it all on food so sure now you have like a lot of food in the fridge but the lights are off the internet's off there's no electricity it's you, there's, you only have so you have a finite amount mm-hmm. of resources, and again, this is not me. This is McCollum alone. But there's also, yeah. I mean, there's also, you know, big shout out to, to Project Veritas for, I mean, just two or three days ago. Oh, yeah. Did you not That's see right. those papers about how James O'Keefe, great job. Have those not, guys are those uh, guys rock. They're doing God's work. Have you not seen the? Uh, I think it was three days ago, two days ago. New documents coming out about a uh, about Pfizer FBI collusion. Which I've, now I've seen are, those. I have not read them yet. Yes. Now people are starting to speculate about that FBI raid. Was it really about that diary or was it something else? Because they're going to yeah. blow the whistle on this. So, but then there's also, you know, there's, you know, there's a ton of, I mean, you know, Malone's been on person. McCullough has been repeatedly attacked. I just had on Steve Kirsch who, you know, he's donated millions of dollars to cancer research and runs a huge philanthropy fund. He's the guy that invented the optical mouse. And he's been completely slandered on Wikipedia just for questioning this, for going on a podcast with Malone and Brett Weinstein. And then as well, I just had on yesterday, who I've had on here several times before, uh, Dr. Meryl Nass, an internist. Um, she has been prescribing ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. And as of last Sunday, so whatever day that was, 15th, I don't know, um, her license was temporarily suspended in the state of Maine where she mm-hmm. practices and they're, and they're forcing her to go through a, a psychological evaluation on four charges, prescribing ivermectin, yeah, prescribing hydroxychloroquine and two counts of spreading harmful misinformation. And now she's fighting that. So there are a lot of people where I can talk about it and, oh, no, I got canceled from YouTube. Has that changed my day to day life? I'm still going to go to the gym. I'm still going to play video games, whatever. Here's a physician who's been an internist for 40 years who's now – she said yesterday, she goes, well, I was a doctor. And Mm. no, 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 you're still a doctor. 
And she was, by the way, she was within the guidelines of the governor of Maine who said, you cannot prescribe hydro hydro hydroxychloroquine prophylactically, but if they do come in sick with COVID, you can prescribe it, which doesn't really matter anymore. Therapeutically. Mm-hmm. And she know that, but she still went along with it anyway, kind of, hey, whatever, I'll go along with your BS mandate. She was within the lines. And huh. it's a, what it is, is you're making an example. A prisoner steps out of line and you shoot them. None of the other prisoners step out of line. Hey, doctors, you know, you think you're going to prescribe ivermectin? You think you're going to prescribe HCQ? You think you're going to uphold your Hippocratic Oath? No, you will not. You will fall in line. And now if we start to see the threads between a Pfizer-FBI connection, I mean, we already can see the basic ones between Pfizer and FDA and Moderna. It's coming apart very slowly. But like the analogy I always use, it's like a tsunami. 99% of its life, it's just a bump on the horizon. It's the last 1% that all of a sudden it crashes and we go, how did this happen? It's been happening for a long time. But it's been happening because a lot of people have been fearlessly pointing it out and calling it out. And I think we're going to start to see more, quote unquote, crashes. Boris Johnson, no more mandates. A Starbucks dropping their mandates. Um, yeah. it's, and the Supreme Court decision yes. of, of uh, what, a week or mm-hmm. 10 days ago or so, um, that uh, the OSHA, the use uh, by the Biden administration of OSHA regs to demand uh, American businesses with 100 or more employees uh, enforce a vaccine, air quotes, mandate struck down. Yeah. But Except unfortunately, the, the mandate for the health workers, yeah, was allowed to remain in place. And also, a uh, fact I did not know, a week ago today, I had on uh, Mr. Mike Durant, who's running for Senate out of Alabama, and of course, the great Dr. Peter McCullough. And I was celebrating it, and Mr. Durant, who uh, I think he's now stepped down, but owns his own, uh, I think, Blackhawk, like retrofitting company, uh, Pinnacle Solutions, he made very clear to me that not everyone can celebrate because it's not just healthcare workers that it's still in place for, it's still in place for all defense contractors. So Mm -hmm. the people responsible for making sure we have a readily competent and lethal fighting force are still under these mandates. So we're not out of the woods yet, but I do think it's slowly moving in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Closing thoughts with Miss Lopez. I got you for two more minutes and I'm going to take, I'm going to take all 120 seconds. All right. Well, no, just thank you very much again. I'm glad to be back with you after a bit of a break there. And, um, well, thank you for all the great work that you're doing. Oh, nonsense. Thank you for coming. I sit here with a camera and a microphone. All the guests are the one come. They come on and do the work. Malone, McCullough, you. I just sit here and nod my head and I upload it. I don't, I don't know. Thank you for coming on here. It makes, makes my life sure. easier. Um, Miss Claire Lopez, as always, I put all your links in the description. Go follow her on Twitter as well as, and I can never remember the names, all of your articles, all of your writings, they are all in the description because we, we figured that out a couple months ago, so I don't have to keep bumbling like an idiot. And uh, I look forward to talking to you again. Sounds good. Miss Claire you, Lopez, Tom. thank you so much. You, God bless. You. God bless America. Stay safe, everybody. We Recording will win. Recording stopped. Take care.